How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to Locked on Bucks, Eric Name and Frank Madden with you. And Frank, how are you? Are you ready to talk some shooting guards? I would love to talk shooting guards. There's so many phenomenal shooting guards, especially after Chris Middleton. Just so many exciting <laughs> shooting guards to talk about on the Milwaukee Bucks. Just uh, an embarrassment of riches, and we need to sort through it tonight, Eric. Uh, I, to- I sense a little sarcasm, Frank. Yeah, I mean, so let's start with some numbers. So... We always sort of we always kind of joke about Chris Middleton, Jabari Parker, and Giannis Antetokounmpo are the Bucks' three best or at the minimum highest ceiling players, uh, and that maybe all of them would be best suited, if not for the existence of the others, to be defending small forwards. Um, but that said, only one of them can really play shooting guard or you'd really want to play shooting guard, and that would be Chris Middleton. And I think the interesting thing, it's hard to find data that splits out minutes by position just because it's such a fluid thing. And you know, even within possessions, uh, a guy may switch from defending a point guard to a shooting guard or a shooting guard to small forward. That kind of stuff happens a lot. We saw you know, Jabari Parker defending power forwards, playing small forwards. Probably defended, you know, more small forwards at the towards the middle and end of the season than he did at the beginning of the season when he was defending more power forwards. So it, there's always a lot of noise in this data, but it was interesting if you look at their uh, estimates of playing time by position uh, for the Bucks last year. We'll link it in the piece. Had Chris Middleton playing around 62% of his minutes uh, at the shooting guard spot, and when I was sort of sketching out my player by player minute allocation and it's a pretty crude process obviously because i'm just basically dividing up the 48 minutes available at each position and allocating them to uh, players on the roster and you know again for realistic sake i'm kind of ignoring a number of players entirely because on any given night you're not playing 15 guys but um but i think looking at the number the the players you have at your disposal at shooting guard and looking perhaps more importantly at the three guys at small forward power forward that you want to play Jabari Giannis and Mirza Toledovic. I think you just got to pretty much move most of Middleton's minutes to shooting guard or, or I mean, not that he was playing a ton of small forward anyway, but, um, but really double down on that this year, because I don't know, I I don't, I can't think of a compelling, I I can think of compelling reasons to get Toledovic minutes at the forward spots. And I can't think of really compelling reasons to get, you know, Jason Terry minutes at shooting guard or, you know, God bless Malcolm Brogdon, but I'm not, you know, desperately trying to carve out minutes for Malcolm Brogdon yet at shooting guard. Ditto Rashad on Tyler Ennis, blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think Chris Middleton at shooting guard until his legs fall off and, and then <laughs> put in somebody else. What do you think? I think that's great. Um, you look at Middleton last year, what, 36 minutes a game? I believe uh so 36 minutes a game for Middleton you want a lot of those to be at shooting guard so you have what 12 if he'd play all of them at shooting guard which obviously we know he won't um 
but really you're looking at at most 20 minutes to fill of non-Middleton minutes at shooting guard and you would think at least half of those go to Delhi or Carter Williams in a shooting guard role like we mentioned in our in our first podcast of this positional podcast series with point guards was both of those guys playing some at shooting guard and maybe 10 of those 20 minutes available goes to them maybe on some nights less closer to five then jason terry brogdon and vaughn like it's just tough to uh before we got on air i was talking about well what do you really want to get out of the shooting guard position if Middleton isn't in there? And it's tough to think of lineups that, that you'd really want to put on the floor with him, not as a shooting guard. Um, while it's a lot easier to think of lineups with him that makes a lineup work because he is the shooting guard. You can do some cool stuff at the four. Um, you can maybe do some cool stuff at the five and uh, you can play Giannis at point and do some things. Things just make sense when Chris Middleton is the shooting guard in the lineup. And again, we can argue whether or not he's an actual shooting guard, uh, just like we can argue whether or not Giannis is actually a point guard. But in the end, it's all kind of pointless because Chris Middleton's really good at shooting guard. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest parts of any Bucks conversation at this point that I tend to be bothered with is that we just don't really talk about how freaking good Chris Middleton is. Uh, 18 points per game last year, four assists per game, four rebounds per game, over a steal and a half per game, and he took on a higher playmaking role and I think we looked at just the per game statistics before getting on here and Middleton was eighth in points per game eighth in assists per game and then did you say fourth in RPM per game I believe Frank so fourth and fourth and overall RPM second in offensive RPM among all shooting guards and you know look and the other thing I would say too about Middleton at shooting guard uh, I've heard people say like, oh, well, defensively, I don't, I don't like that. You know, I've heard people say like, oh, they. I think we talked about this on on one, on maybe on the, on the podcast with Mike Prada uh, a couple weeks ago. But someone was saying, oh, he doesn't defend the three point line well, and it's just like, look, the Bucks had this what second ranked defense in the league with Chris Middleton basically settling in as a shooting guard a couple years ago. They obviously were not nearly as good with Chris Middleton playing mostly as a shooting guard last year. But I don't think if that data has anything to it, it suggests that Chris Middleton isn't the swing vote and whether or not you're going to be a good defense. <laughs> um, and I think the size that Middleton offers you and the length he, give, he offers you, you know, it's unique as a shooting guard. It's not unique as a small forward. And I think the other thing, too, is uh, when you turn that around on the def- on the offensive end, uh, the fact that he's going up against smaller players when he's a shooting guard does help him because you know as much as we don't want to see endless Chris Milton post-ups he's certainly more of a weapon when he's playing against smaller guys perimeter taking pull-up jump shots if you're taking a pull-up jumper over you know Monte Ellis (laughs) you know if you're playing the Pacers Monte Ellis is nominally your shooting guard that you're going up against if you're shooting over Monte Ellis that's a lot easier than if you're shooting over Paul George right so um, so I just think that there are, there are practical advantages from a size perspective on both ends that, that come from Chris playing the shooting guard spot. And, you know, again, if you were building a team from scratch, maybe that's not where you'd play him. But I think there are arguments to play him there, even in the absence of the log jam the Bucks have. 
at the forward spots with Jabari and Giannis. Um, and I, I think that, you know, on this team, it, it just makes sense. So here's one thing I want to pose to you, Frank, and I'm sorry to kind of surprise you with this. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can handle it. But when you look at shooting guards league wide, and again, I don't, I'm not interested in arguing whether or not Middleton is a shooting guard. Let's say in this hypothetical, hundred percent, a shooting guard, Chris Middleton is a shooting guard. Am I crazy to think he's a top five shooting guard in the league? I don't think that's crazy to think. Right? Because um, you, I mean, you'd have James Harden, who, again, you could argue whether or not he's a shooting guard or a point guard, but let's say he's a shooting guard. Clay Thompson. Yep. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. And then... And arguably, Jimmy's going to play more small forward this year with Dwayne Wade around. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Butler, I would say Harden, Butler, um, Clay Thompson... Uh, and then you've got kind of like, and then you start to get into these guys, I think, that are really debatable with a guy like Batum, who is also probably an underrated guy, could be in that, could, could be in that mix. Yeah. I would, I would accept the argument of, of Batum, you know, a guy who averaged almost six assists per game as a shooting guard, you know, obviously he's a dangerous shooter, does a lot of little things. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is CJ McCollum, you know, really a better shooting guard? Than, than than Chris Middleton when he averages maybe marginally for more points per game, but you know doesn't help you really defensively much at all. Um, you know, and there are a lot of other guys. You know, I think like it'll be interesting. To see. I mean, I think there are a lot of other guys who might be in that mix, like Evan Fournier, Rodney Hood, who who could be uh, in that category. Um, you know, Andrew Wiggins if he'll continue to play shooting guard. Obviously, then he can be in that category. But I think I think the bottom line is that Chris Middleton is a really good shooting guard <laughs> and it's a position that is a weird position. I think it's getting stronger, but I think it's historically the last five years, it's been certainly a, a generally a weak spot. And I think most nights you bring Chris Middleton as your starting shooting guard, you're going to have the advantage there. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's just something that I guess kind of at the start of the season, I started to wonder last year, was he a top 10 shooting guard? And I quickly felt like, yeah, he he definitely is. And then I I've just been trying to figure out how far that that number starts to creep up and I think like you said like I feel very confident that Harden, Thompson and Butler are all better than him as shooting guards. But then after that uh, you get a, into that meaty area where it's like what is DeMar DeRozan? Um Dwayne Wade, he's kind of old, but I I think a lot of Bucks fans don't think he's a shooting guard and no, he's a small forward and he shouldn't be doing all these things and he shouldn't be posting up and he should be shooting more threes and he should be doing all these other things. And I I think there's very little appreciation for his skills. And I think maybe as the season went on, it got a little bit better, but even, even when we just podcast, we talk about Jabari and Giannis and how Jabari and Giannis are going to get better and how they're going to do things. And again, it's great. And it, it does make sense because th- those kind of have to be your cornerstone got your corner cornerstone guys, because they're probably going to be the ones that get the max contracts. But at the same time, Middleton was the best player on the team last year, right? Like I, I, I think for the, I think if you're talking about the whole season, I think that's probably fair. I, if you, you know, wait yeah, it sure. more towards the end of the season, sure. I think Giannis, you certainly got went past him, but, yes. but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, and I think this is mainly because a world in which Chris Middleton is the best Bucks player is probably a world in which Giannis and Jabari, you know, are good but but not great. Because I think Chris is 
really good, but he's probably you know close to his ceiling yeah. probably. Yeah. Uh, and if Chris Middleton, you know, if something like this version of Chris Middleton is your best player, then you're not that special. It's Chris, but it's just you know, yeah. he's not he's not going to be a top ten player. He's not a team player. So and I think so I think that that's why. And you know, big picture. Again, you know, there are a lot of biases that work against Chris. I think the fact that he's not, you know, an explosive dunker and highlight real guy. The fact that he wasn't a second, you know, he was a second round pick. He wasn't a guy that anybody expected to be a star. So we we just don't affix those sort of expectations and that perception to him. And so he's been fighting against that. And you know, even to this day, I mean, we were joking before the the podcast. You know, I, when we did a few weeks ago, we did our you know Bucks pick up five on five draft in the gym. And I picked Giannis first because I had you gave me the first pick, and I acted like that was just no brainer. And realistically, Chris Middleton, you make a good case that Chris Middleton is you know still arguably as good or better than than Giannis until we see you know more consistency from Giannis. Maybe um, that Chris Middleton just does so many things consistently well that maybe that's the guy you'd want first if you're just playing again you know one game. Um, I'm not saying you take Chris Middleton over Giannis. Uh, in a you know expansion draft uh, in the big picture and grand scheme of a superstar driven league, but yeah. uh, but he's really good and yeah I think you know you want to do the Bucks are obviously going to do whatever they can to keep him on. Middleton was they really struggled last year and you know we've talked a lot he was he was an RPM All Star starting you know two years ago that was when he kind of became this revelation, um, but last year his defensive RPM dropped off it was still positive but. Uh, offensively, his offensive RPM went way up, despite the fact that the Bucks were not a great offensive team. I mean, there wasn't like some, you know, I mean, again, RPM is meant to isolate a player's effect and and not, you know, his teammates' effect or his opponents' effect. But people always, you know, kind of wonder, oh, well, you know, if you're on a great team, is is that number going to go up? You know, is the, the the model can't figure that out. Well, you know, it, it's certainly playing on a on a bad Bucks team. Uh, it it seemed to think that Chris Middleton was again an elite shooting guard and uh, yeah so well let's let's put so let's put that aside we love Chris Middleton Chris Middleton is great Chris keep doing what you're doing shoot more threes keep making forty percent we love you um, but after that I mean who who is the Bucks backup shooting guard who who is you know let's assume mcw and and matthew delvadova get minutes um and chris milton obviously gets minutes let's think of you know the the point guard shooting guard combinations who is the fourth guy i was gonna say i feel pretty confident that delhi is the best option out of all those um so i feel good there um and then we can like you said just round in all those and then throw jet some minutes um at shooting guard and i don't it's tough you you think it's gonna be brogdon um and i think a lot of that is obviously what we've talked about is he's gonna do things right he's gonna defend well and hopefully he's gonna hit some threes and 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 we haven't we haven't seen him be a terrible nba player like we have with Rashad vaughn we haven't seen him be an an indifferent nba player like we've seen from tyler ennis so we can always give him the benefit of the doubt which granted by mid-november maybe we won't but but yeah, that's obviously I think part of the the appeal of Brogdon. And and I guess with with Vaughn, I think one thing that gets overlooked is the fact that uh, in that second half of the season, I thought he was a good defender. 
Like I, I legitimately thought when he was out there, he was doing things right. He was making the right reads. He was using his length effectively. And again, I know you can say small sample size, post all-star break, maybe that a couple of his steals might've been lucky, whatever you may want to say. But I do, I do think that was one thing that surprised me at the end of the season was watching Rashad Vaughn do well on the defensive end and make plays that I didn't necessarily think he was going to make. Uh, I think a lot of, obviously, the selling points on Rashad Vaughn was his shooting, and he he was the man at UNLV as a freshman, and uh, it was always geared towards his offense. But defensively, he, he does have a good wing, a good wingspan. He's got long arms. He's at he's he moves pretty well. He, he makes the right reads. So defensively, I think he gets undersold a little bit. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if he can do that again this year. Um, but yeah, really what it comes down to at shooting guard is, can you make a jump shot? And the reason I think we have Del Vadova at number two is because, well, we have the most confidence that he'll hit a jump shot after Chris Middleton and why jet might be number three ahead of Carter Williams is, well, we know he can hit a jump shot. And that's really the question at shooting guard is, can you defend or at least stay on the floor defensively and not just get run off the floor like some of the guys the Bucks put on the floor last year, like with with Bayless where he would he just couldn't he just couldn't hack it defensively. With this Bucks team, I think that's always the question you're looking for defensively. Like we're gonna you're gonna have to try to look past Jabari being a bad defender, MCW making some strange reads. Uh, if Monroe's on the still on the squad, Monroe doing some bad things defensively. So you have to be able to limit that in other positions. And shooting guard might be one of the positions where you say, okay, we can't have a bad defender on the floor there. Um, so you're looking for guys that can defend and guys that can hit threes. And really, with Vaughn and Brogdon, that's the question still like can can you hit a three and can you defend capably so um i guess my answer is brogdon as the guy there but i'd be lying if i said i had any confidence in that prediction yeah i just have this for some reason since since the terry signing uh and again this is putting a lot of faith in the 39 year old's legs and, and that he still has something left in the tank uh but for some reason, I can just picture, aside from Della Vadova, uh, Middleton in the starting five, the idea of MCW being the guy that the second unit offense runs through and Terry kind of playing off him and, and effectively using MCW's size and defensive abilities to sort of hide Terry. So whoever's scarier among the point guard, shooting guard on the second units or, or when those guys are in, you know, put MCW on him. Uh, put Terry on the other guy and then let Terry just sort of spot up off ball um, with with MCW kind of handling the ball more. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of this, work, you know, it's kind of caricaturing it to say like, oh, MCW is leading the second unit because somebody, you know, at least one of Middleton, Giannis, Jabari is going to be on the court with those guys. Odds are, you know, Middleton or Giannis will be on the court one or sorry one of Middleton or Giannis is going to be on the court most of the time and when they're on the court um, certainly Giannis you'll want the offense flowing through him Uh, and when Middleton's on the court I mean we we obviously debate this a lot you know Middleton can actually be a value off ball just because he's going to space the floor and defenses have to respect him 
MCW they don't. So you could argue for that reason alone that you shouldn't be running too many pick and rolls with Chris if if MCW's on the court. But by the same token, I think we know that you know Chris Middleton's going to get the ball, and you know I, I'm not going to begrudge him touches uh, on the ball uh, just because you know again using his shooting kind of as as a reason to not give him the ball and doing that kind of weird convoluted logic. Um, one kind of note. Uh, and these numbers are skewed a lot. These numbers are skewed upwards. So the minute per game numbers are going to be higher last year for the guards because they had so many injuries. So Jared Bayless played only 52 games. OJ played exactly half a season, 41 games. Um, MCW played only 54 games. So these numbers are a little exaggerated. But last year, just to give you guys a frame of reference, Chris played 36 minutes. MCW, 30.5 minutes. Bayless, 29 minutes. OJ, 27 minutes. Uh, you know, you had Gravis Vasquez playing 20 minutes, but only in 23 games. Uh, and then the next guard in there was Rashad Vaughn playing 14 minutes in 70 games. Ennis, 14 minutes in 46 games. So I think what you'll hopefully see, I and mean, hopefully you don't see injuries, obviously, uh, but I would imagine Middleton will be somewhere around that same number. I imagine MCW will be a little bit lower. Maybe, you know, again, as we mentioned last uh, podcast, mid to high 20s. Delved over probably in that same range, and then you know the the fourth guard will I think presumably be a lot playing a lot fewer minutes than OJ Mayo who got twenty seven minutes per game in forty one games last year. Uh, so as you were saying, perhaps that's for Brogdon. Ah, I'm gonna guess it might be Terry, and again, uh, I may be overplaying uh, Jason Kidd's bulls the vitality of jason terry's life uh, but that wouldn't surprise me at all uh but likewise it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh brogdon or ennis or eh, it would surprise me if vaughn was the fourth guard to be honest unfortunately uh even though vaughn might be the purest shooter of the young guys uh so it will be interesting to see but i think that's going to be that could be a bloodbath <laughs> between those young guys and i imagine jason kidd's going to try to get all of them minutes uh and it'll be interesting to see if, you know, can Brogdon kind of be the modern day Luke Bamute in terms of a, a second round pick who just bullies his way into to major minutes because of pre- presumably his defense as a rookie? Or is he going to go, uh, you know, suffer similar fate of, of many other Bucks rookies who, you know, really kind of fight and scrap but, but just can't really differentiate? So kids rotations are going to be fascinating this season. Absolutely fascinating because. We've talked about it before, and in his two years with the Bucks, he's had very deep rotations at times where he'll go as deep as 12 in a game, and he does like to play the hot hand. And when we talked with Brett Cormenis, he was like, well, they have to have rigid... The the best thing they could do is get in rigid uh, patterns for substitutions for what what guys are playing what minutes at what positions like that's the only way that this works out and that's something that jason kidd has never done really as a coach at all he's all about the hot hand and he's all about playing the guy that's playing the best that night and it's just gonna be fascinating to see with some of those young guys at the end are they getting chances are it does it is it if you play good one night do you get the other guys reps that next night or are you going to get two to three minutes to prove yourself at the end of the first quarter and if you're good that night you get some more in the second quarter and i'm just very curious to see what he'll do there because obviously he's got jason terry and that's a a veteran that you would think jason kidd trusts 
And then you have Ennis, Brogdon, Vaughn, all young guys, and even Michael, Michael Carter-Williams. Like, again, he's more advanced in age, but you got young guys that seemingly need NBA minutes to get better, but who deserves them out of that group? And how do you decide whether or not they deserve them once the season starts? It It's going to be fascinating. One... Uh... One thing that might be worth keeping in mind as we think about rotations and, and things of that nature, uh, there's a website uh, put together by a guy named Alex Wanger, Wanger, W-A-I-N-G-R. Anyway, Alex put together this nice website where for every team you can look at uh, basically playing time and substitution patterns, uh, and it breaks down every quarter into, I think, 12, 12 blocks and then shows you through sort of a heat map how many of those blocks or, or how frequently an individual player played in each little segment of time. And if you look at the Bucks uh, heat map, you'll see Chris Middleton had the most, he was the most likely starter by far to play the last few minutes of the first quarter and the last few minutes of the third quarter. And he was also the by far the player who was least likely to start the second quarter the first few, really the first five minutes of the second quarter, and also the least likely uh, major rotation guy to play the first three minutes of the fourth quarter. So that's kind of one thing to see if that's a consistent. That, that's one of the few, I think, easy things you can pull from this data. Um, obviously, it's really difficult to look at with guys like Michael Carter Williams, who changed up midway through the year, you know, starting, then coming off the bench, then starting, then coming off the bench again. This kind of data isn't really helpful for that. But for guys who are clear starters, it is pretty interesting just to see if there was an obvious trend in terms of, you know, when did they get pulled? Uh, when did they, you know, or did they play full quarters? Chris Middleton, by and large, was playing the entire first quarter, by and large, was playing the entire third quarter, and then would get basically, you know, four to five minutes of rest at the beginning of the second quarter, and then maybe a similar similar thing uh, to start the fourth quarter and then play the rest. So uh, interesting to see if we'll see the same thing um, because again, the, you know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to staggering rotations. And uh, you know, we we talk about a lot of teams' ideal offense now is is can you play four out around a big man, for instance, uh, with four three point shooters. I mean, you look at this Bucks roster. You, I would argue, you have basically five reliable three point shooters. You've got Chris Middleton, you've got Matthew Delvadova, Mirza Toledovic, Steve Novak, and Jason Terry. Uh, and, you know, Steve Novak isn't going to play, let's, let's say that. Uh, and, you know, Jason Terry's, as we said, probably going to play some just because he's a reliable three-point shooter, we think, still. Delvadova is going to start. Toledovic will come off the bench. Middleton obviously going to play a ton, but you know it's it's hard. You know, basically, the Bucks only are only going to have four guys maybe in their entire rotation who can shoot threes, and so it's going to be a big task for Jason Kidd to balance out and make sure that he's keeping at least a couple of those guys on the court at all times. And I think that's the big opportunity for Terry, or it's the big opportunity for one of those young guys we mentioned to to actually show that they can hit. Uh, three pointers consistently at the NBA level, and if they can do that, then you know hopefully you wouldn't need to rely on Jason Terry, which I'm sure we would prefer to see the Bucks not rely on Jason Terry quite so much. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, there's there's certainly opportunity, and I, I guess the thing with Jason Kidd that should be exciting for each of those young guys is that he's 
not afraid to give opportunities and he doesn't tend to necessarily bury guys quickly. Um, I would say probably once you get buried, you're buried, but he doesn't do it right away. Um, if you get opportunities to start the season, you're probably going to get those for a couple weeks. Um, and you just got to do pretty much everything that you can in those opportunities. Um, so again, if, if some of, if one of those two wants to take Jason Terry's minutes, I think they could, um, but they're going to have to do it. Uh, a question, and I want to. I need to figure out. I need to double check who actually asked us. Um, someone asked me who on Twitter the most likely guy was to, or the most likely inactives on opening night. And I wanted to just before we leave because I think we're talking about some of the potential candidates now. Oh. Uh, on opening night, here it, we're recording on September 11th, which two guys would you pinpoint as the guys most likely to be inactive on opening night man that's brutal and that question came from ms and 95 matt thanks for your question matt i'm gonna go with ennis and i'm gonna go with the second one's easy novak yeah but man that's ugh. having a pick between that ennis brogdon and vaughn trio is is pretty brutal yeah those are the the uh the bucks if the bucks if we were to photo we may have to ask our friend jj bursch to uh photoshop us like an expendables poster with (laughs) with rashad vaughn and tyler ennis and steve novak and jason terry or something like that uh because those guys are 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 probably going to be duking out for uh for the inactives I will. Uh, I think Ennis is probably a good guess. Um, we'll see. I think it'll be a statement if if Vaughn's inactive, given he's really the. I mean, are there? I'm just. I'm, am I am I brain cramping or is is Vaughn really the only out and out true shooting guard on the roster? He is right. Unless you want to say Brogdon is one, but Jason Terry. Yeah, but he. Well, I still think of him as a combo guard, you know, because he came in as more of a, sh- a point yeah, guard yeah. in the league, and he's kind of small. Yeah, I mean, if Vaughn, if Vaughn, with the fact that he has some positional differentiation, in theory, he seems like more of a shooting guard. Um, if he's an inactive, I'd say that that uh, that does not say good things about Rashad Vaughn's future. I mean, it's and it's tough because he's just turned twenty years old. So, but still. At some point, he's got to start producing, and if he can't get kind of elevate him, elevate himself out of that, you know, grouping with Brogdon and Ennis this year, it'll be very interesting to see if uh, if if he. Well, I don't know. Yeah, let, let's say let's just say it'll be very interesting to see if his future is in Milwaukee or elsewhere. One thing I thought was interesting um, when Matt Moore last week he wrote about the most underrated players on each roster. And he mentioned Henson for the Bucks again. That's not something we need to talk about here. But I, he asked me <laughs> not something we need to voice our disagreement over on this podcast. <laughs> Correct. Um, but I, I questioned him on it, and we had a nice little conversation. And he asked you, I would have gone with, and I said Middleton because I, I think he continues to be underrated. And then he mentioned that he was thinking Vaughn possibly, and I would be fascinated 
to talk to him about Rashad Vaughn because Matt Matt is a guy that I respect a lot. Uh, he watches a ton of basketball. He's very knowledgeable and he's just a smart, smart guy. And I'd be curious: is it just because Bucks fans and people in general general bury him so much <laughs> that? no matter what like he can't be that bad or is it a situation where matt is actually seeing things that he thinks um w- would suggest a, a positive future for rashad but uh, it was fascinating that he even said that yeah my so my quick take is that i think there are reasons that you could argue rashad vaughn is underrated and reasons why rashad vaughn is overrated i think i, I actually so i recorded the um with nate duncan for his dunk on uh, Bucks podcast. We recorded that last week. I think it'll go up sometime this week. And Nate asked me about uh, guys that are you know more valuable than than people think and less valuable than people think. And I and I picked Middleton as more valuable than people think. And I picked um, Jabari as as less valuable than people think. Again, sort of playing on just the idea of you know I love Jabari and and everything, but he's you know he hasn't proven that he's going to win you a bunch of games yet by by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, and then the second guy I mentioned was Rashad Vaughn because I. I think a lot of people were like, you know, the casual fan probably says, oh, Vaughn struggled, but he's a rookie. And I hear, you know, I still hear people say, like, well, he didn't get consistent minutes and it's tough to. It's like he played a ton of minutes. I mean, to, to be as bad as he was, he played an incredible amount of minutes. He played a thousand minutes last year. Yeah. Uh, which is why it's so hard to find somebody who was as ineffective as him that played that many minutes. So it's kind of funny because I think on the one hand, you could say, People still don't appreciate how terrible he, how unproductive he was, uh, and at the same time, you could argue that, uh, especially if you're hanging out more in our crowd of you know nerds who you know love advanced stats and all that other stuff, that perhaps we're underrating him somewhat because, again, he's 20 years old and maybe he follows the Gary Harris track, and you know, in a year or two, is much much better than than he was certainly last year, but. Uh, but actually is, you know, a respectable player, which, you know, again, it's possible, but it's, it's, I will say this, it's rare that for us to ever see a player as ineffective as he was over the sample size of minutes that he was last year. And that's what I find so discouraging. If he had played a hundred minutes or something, then the data is almost worthless, but playing a thousand and struggling the way he did to even do the things that we thought he'd be good at. I think to your point, I was encouraged by the defense actually by his feet. Yeah. As an individual defender, uh, I don't know. I don't think his team defense is anything at this point. But um, but he's a guy I think uh, I can understand both sides of it. And, and honestly, I was thinking of Moore's proximity to Gary Harris because he's right. based out of Denver. He's so, Denver. so he's seen a guy be terrible and then be good. I, I the, In the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking, like, if I would talk to Matt about it, that would probably be part of his reasoning. And he's also watching, you know, Emmanuel Moutier shoot like no percent field <laughs> and turn it over a bunch, and but still look like he can play and then get better. And yeah, so it's it's hard. But yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to you know your tolerance of young players being terrible and how much you think guys can improve. And hopefully, that's significant for Rashad Vaughn. But it it kind of has to be at this point. Definitely. That's going to be it. I think we we were able to effectively tell you how good we think Chris Middleton is and effectively get across the point how little we believe in the rest of uh, the shooting guards on the Bucks roster. But that'll be it for this episode of Lockdown Bucks. As always, thanks for listening. And as always, 
please feel free to subscribe through what do we got rss you could go to audio boom you could go to itunes you could subscribe so many ways and leave a leave us a five-star review uh because you're wonderful and nice and uh and you want to help us out that would be great uh and also checked out the rest of the locked on podcast network uh packer report is now doing uh, locked on Packers as well. So and he does he does this like four downs thing where he breaks down like each of the four major stories of the day, and it's really smart and I really like it. And I'm jealous I have not thought of an idea for a podcast as good as that one. Yeah, I don't know four quarters that doesn't probably work. We're I don't think I don't think we're we're just incapable of being that organized. <laughs> that, that's really the big thing. Like we there's no way we could follow a format like that. Yeah, let's not uh, kid ourselves. Yes. Anyway, that's it for us. We'll be back on Wednesday with small forwards, Thursday with power forwards, Friday with centers. And I'm going to say that. We haven't recorded those yet, but I'm just going to say that because now we're really obligated. And if we don't meet that, we're going to feel really bad. So uh, we'll cover all the Bucks positions through the rest of this week. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll have some good comments for us in the comments section. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Let us know what we missed. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.